So unstuck is really the journey of taking risk. It's okay to take risk and it's okay to fail. Yeah. Um, because if you think about when you're stuck, how do you get unstuck? And a lot of times it's about people lose hope in life and their job. They just lose hope. How do you regain hope? And my theory, I, my theory is you've create opportunity because once you have opportunity and you're excited about something, you get more hopeful, hope is restored. You create opportunity by saying yes to opportunity. So you've got to say yes to things and take yourself out of your comfort zone because that just opens up opportunities. And once you have opportunities, it creates hope. Right, Colin, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm super glad we got connected. This podcast is always really fun because you never know who you're going to meet. We were just talking about networking before. Yeah. This, uh, but you have quite a history of like owning businesses. Uh, you're an author, right? Unstuck. Yeah. Go get it on Amazon. Um, Amazon, right? Or where yep, else can I get it? It's on Amazon, yeah. Cool. Uh, so, but tell us, like, give us your little bit, a little bit of a background. You told me from South Africa. Um, what was the, like, what was your first step into entrepreneurship, into owning your own business? First thing was coming to America. I mean, that was oh. probably the biggest decision I ever made. Um, in South Africa, when you finish high school, you have to go serve two years mandatory military service. Mm -hmm. And you don't ever say where you go. You just get plugged into some arm of the military and you go spend two years doing it. So I refer to that as my... My best worst years of my life, you know. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> it was pretty brutal. But yeah. anyway, long story short, I started to play volleyball while I was in the Army. And uh, that's a whole different story in and of <laughs> itself. But um, And when, we fin when I finished the Army, I actually was kind of wondering what to do. And I wanted to come to America and... I had limited opportunity in South Africa, so I thought, well, where would be a great place to go? Well, obviously America. And so that was kind of the start of the journey. Um, I sold everything I had and bought, bought a plane ticket with a good friend of mine, and uh, we both flew to L.A., and we were like, let's go to America <laughs> and live our dream, you know? <laughs> Holy cow. And when I grew up, the, the big TV show, I'm aging myself here, but the big TV show was Dallas. Oh, okay, yeah. So I thought everything in America was like Dallas, you know, South Fork, the big ranch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, I'd been, I, I was just out of high school for a couple of years. And, and in high school, the cult movie of the time was Fast Times at Ridgemont High. So I thought that's what America was like, you know, Fast yeah. Times in high school and Dallas when you got real yeah. and had a real job, you know. Yeah. So that was kind of how the journey started. but uh, <laughs> And then you get to L.A., right? So, yeah, so <laughs> we, like, I, I buy a plane ticket. <laughs> I, I had about $1,000 to my name. My buddy had like 400 We get to L.A. and we were like, now what? We were like, we wanted to play volleyball. So we rented a car. That's all we could afford. We rented a car and we just lived in the car, literally. We parked the car in Beverly Hills at night and would drive around the block every few hours to keep the car warm, heated up, and then mm – -hmm. uh, during the day, we would drive up to all the different universities, UCLA, Pepperdine, USC, all that, mm. and just go and introduce ourselves to the coaches. And that's how we landed in America. 
And Holy cow. And so what happened? You go to all the coaches trying to get a volleyball scholarship? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And long, long roundabout version, but we got, we ended up meeting somebody um, who happened to know the, the coaches for the school called BYU and this place <laughs> called Provo. I never heard of it. We'd never yeah. seen snow, never. Um, <laughs> Holy crap. So we end up just coming down to Provo and uh, meeting the coach and walked on and we both got offered scholarships to stay and play because it was the first year they were getting NCAA. Uh-huh. And they just pulled this great team together and that was kind of the start of the journey. Holy cow. Yeah. That's crazy. So it wasn't necessarily, uh, you know, a business that got you off, but so going to BYU, playing volleyball. Yeah. And then, yeah. um, <laughs> whoa, culture shock? Culture shock for sure. <laughs> but it was great. It was like, you know, we were living the dream. I yeah. mean, we were two young kids from South Africa and poor as could yeah. be, and we were just living in Taco Bell <laughs> and McDonald's and <laughs> living the dream. It was awesome. <laughs> yeah. It was awesome. Taco Bell, McDonald's, volleyball. Yeah, That's exactly. a recipe for success. Exactly. <laughs> That's you know? awesome. So, Holy cow. Okay, so what's next? What did you study at BYU? Um, nothing really. I wasn't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I played volleyball. Yeah. Don't be silly. Yeah. Um, so I actually ended up graduating in international business and economics. Okay. So well, that's not nothing. <laughs> once I got, once I got serious oh, okay. about stuff, yeah, you know, okay, once okay, I got okay. serious, I actually ended up yeah. getting into doing that. And then, uh, I started my professional life working with a company called Compaq back in the day with. Oh, wow. In the tech space, and then uh, yeah. started started there. Got yeah. into sales and traveled the world, and yeah. So, I mean, I know that a lot of like for myself too included, like a lot of people who get into sales end up getting you know in their own business, right? Doing that yeah. whole yeah. whole thing. Um, so you you how long were you in like the corporate world, like that corporate lifestyle? I spent I spent about ten years total in the corporate world. I ended up getting into mergers and acquisitions, so ended up doing oh, very cool. the the HP Compaq acquisition, which at the time was one of the biggest tech acquisitions in in yeah. history at that point in time. And uh, yeah. so that was super fun, very exciting. Wow. Um, what was your role in that? So I didn't do the financial side of the transaction, but yeah. my job was kind of on the operational side. It's a crazy story. <laughs> but my boss came to me one day and he said, hey, we've got this like secret project. I can't really tell you what it is, but you got to sign these legal documents and uh, you're going to take on this project. But if you, the project doesn't work out, you're going to lose your job. Well, and so, I'm <laughs> so like, we can't tell you anything uh, about can't it. Tell you anything. Yeah. Sign a bunch of NDAs yep. <laughs> and uh, NDAs and non-competes or whatever they give yep. you. <laughs> and and if, by the way, if you fail, you're out. Yeah, that was pretty <laughs> much it. Right. And wow, I, that's I'm a, a bit, bit of a risk taker. And so okay. obviously that would, piqued my interest naturally. And so of course I signed that. And uh, (laughs) it was, it was pretty wild because they, they try to take a new approach to mergers and acquisitions. And um, what they created was called a clean team. And they picked a small group of people from each company. And we literally flew to Vegas Monday morning and we would fly home Friday night and we'd stay in these conference rooms like all day and late into the night every day, and we'd kind of negotiate yeah. which products were going to survive, 
you know, who, whose laptops were we going to use, whose PCs were we going to use, whose printers were we going to use, Yeah. who was going to run the Europe division, who was going to run Asia, who was going to, so it was everything on paper to operationally integrate the company. So that's yeah. kind of was my role. And we used to just, we called it the beauty pageant. So you had to yeah. pitch your product and they would pitch theirs and then we'd have to negotiate to see which one was going to win. Oh, wow. And so we ended up doing that for nine months, lived in, living in Vegas, doing that because it was top secret. Like literally nobody knew what we were doing. <laughs> and it was kind of, it was actually one of the highlights of my career. It was super fun to do that, you know? Holy cow. So you guys just like, and then, so you guys meet in those rooms and then at the end of whatever time you're like, this is it. This is how it's going to go forward. Yeah. So when, when we'd finished after nine months before they actually announced nine months, the merger. Holy crap. Before they announced the merger, we just rolled out a playbook. So the day it was announced, everything was just, there was this full playbook on how to integrate both companies on paper. Wow. So that was kind of the new approach to large-scale M&A. Yeah. So uh, it worked. You kept your job. Yeah, kept my job. It was, it was touch and go for a minute. There was a big proxy battle and it got a little sketchy for a moment. So you guys were like at the table negotiating. Yeah, like, yeah. Like who was going to do what. Yeah. That would be freaking crazy. That's like some yep. uh, Harvey Specter stuff, dude. Exactly. <laughs> My favorite show. <laughs> yeah, Suits, dude. That's some uh, Closer yeah. stuff, man. Yeah, it was that's, awesome. That's wild. How did you uh, navigate that? I mean, you didn't know the other people sitting across from you? No, you got to know them really well. But yeah. then, you know, then you've really got to kind of negotiate. You've got to figure out who's who does have the better product. What's the yeah. best thing for the new company? Yeah. And obviously you, everyone's trying to pitch their side better. And so that's why we called it the beauty pageant. You know? <laughs> so he's got the best wares, you know? Yeah. And so yeah, it was fun. It was really fun, actually. It was. What, cool. what were some of the highlights there that you still remember learning about the skill of negotiation or just about people in general? It's just about understanding where they're coming from. I yeah. think just really taking a hard look at who they really are and what they're trying to accomplish. Okay. And it, it was a it was a crash course in understanding people mm. and trying to see what, what would work best for both companies. Right. And then because you're dealing with, yeah, I mean, like, it would be hard to get past, you know, analytics at that point, right? Because yeah. sometimes on paper it just makes sense, but now you're not dealing with That's right. numbers and stuff yep. you're dealing with. This Emotions. guy. Yeah. yeah, exactly. No, really. I mean, it was crazy. There was, it, it got heated many, many days, but. How did you, how did you overcome? This is a question I've always had. And I mean, I kind of do it intuitively, but I'm not perfect at it. So I'd love to hear your thoughts, but you mentioned they get heated. Uh, how do you go from like this, every, we're all cool. And then to like at each other's throats. And then the next day you're like, all right, sounds good. On to the next, right? Yeah. Like, do you kind of have like. You know, is it like water off a duck's back? Do you just have to have like this short-term memory loss thing going on? Yeah. Or like, how do you do it? It's it's actually really hard. I mean, I was, it was a crash course in how to yeah. figure this all out. And so I think the, the biggest thing I learned that worked was just remain calm and keep your cool about you. Because the minute you started getting emotional and the emotions started playing in, then things kind of went sideways quickly. Oh, I and see. so I learned the art of kind of patience and just trying to be calm, which by nature, I really wasn't that kind of person. Yeah. I and mean, so competitive it, athlete. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
So that was kind of the biggest learning was just the art of staying calm, keeping your cool, and just trying to be level-headed throughout the whole process. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, and and that kind of brings up more questions to me because, but that sounds so cool though. Uh, why do you think you were picked for that job? Um, I think earlier on in my career, I think the whole art of of self-awareness and figuring out who you are and what your superpower is, very early in my career at at Compaq as well, I I worked with a really ruthless group of guys. They were all a bunch of super, you know, high-performing individuals from Yale and Harvard and Bain and McKenzie and all these like yeah. really cool pedigreed backgrounds. And I was this guy from, you know, <laughs> BYU. This, this, <laughs> yeah, no, no, I wasn't yeah. from those th oh, that sort yeah. of background, you know. Yeah. And um, so early on in my career, I used to, I was very good at sort of going into a situation, but I was pretty ruthless and trying to I just break a lot of glass, you know. Yeah. And that was too far on the one end of the spectrum. And so my boss came to me one day and he said, listen, you're one of my best employees. You know how to get stuff done but you leave kind of a trail of carnage in the way. And that was a moment of real self-awareness that I had to kind of take inventory of. And I had to dial that back and kind of find more of a balanced approach and not be so, not break so much glass and yeah. in the process. So it was kind of an interesting learning process for me. So. That's cool though. I, when I teach sales or when I talk to like business owners, um, it's that old quote that's like, it's better to be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, kind of like that. So yeah. you go like all the way one side and then you dial it back. Like I was just talking to a client of mine and he's like, you know, I just hired the sales guy for this stuff and he's, and he just sells, you know, he's like, mm -hmm. he doesn't even, you know, do And I'm like, and he goes, I don't know what to do. And I'm like, well, dude, uh, that's perfect. Like you can teach him how to, how to be like, all right. Take the first couple minutes and yeah. build rapport. Yeah, what you yeah, can't yeah. teach is the opposite. It's exactly. or at least it's harder to teach. <laughs> That's exactly right. I love that. Yeah. You go like yeah. you can teach someone to dial it back. You can't teach somebody to. Yeah. Or I mean, I, I guess you could, but it's it's easier to teach someone to dial it back than it would be to. Assuming you're self aware enough to be able to yeah, do that. Yeah, you know? that's yeah, that's <laughs> that's a good point. That's true. But I like that. That's just one thing that keeps coming up when I do these interviews. Is like, you know, people. You know, you kind of get like that was my career for sure. Like I broke some glass yeah, too early yeah. too, and you're just like, yeah, that's crazy. Okay, so that's really cool. So you go through this stretch. When do you get out? Like, what happens when you exit corporate? And uh, do you go straight for entrepreneurship? Did you take a little bit because it was crazy or what? Yeah, no, I jumped. I jumped straight in. I left kind of a really cool cushy job, and uh, jumped into started a company here in Utah. Um. And we were building and developing charter schools. Oh, wow. And so we were kind of one of the first companies in Utah to really create a new business model around charter schools. So we were actually building them, designing, building, and uh, launching these charter schools. But we had a slight twist in where we would actually sell them on the bond markets. Oh, wow. So it was a bit of an investment banking play with charter schools. So that way gave the schools an opportunity to own themselves using tax-exempt municipal bonds. Whoa. So it was kind of a crazy business model, but it was yeah. brilliant. And we 
we built this incredible company super fast. And we'd, I think we'd ended up building like 10, 11 charter schools here in Utah. And we were just starting to expand nationally when we were acquired by a private equity group. Okay. And so that was kind of my first, my first real exit. And then uh, dabbled around in a couple of other startups, crashed and burned a few. You're not a real entrepreneur until you yeah. crash and burn a few <laughs> startups and uh, made a few mistakes along the way, you know. Yeah. But that's part of the journey. Yeah. And then um, I actually got into an, an app. Some, a good friend of mine, was he was a brain scientist, and he developed this incredible technology to help the astronauts sleep in the space station. Oh. <laughs> and so I took a look at this technology, and it was just incredible. And so we spun it up and started a new company called Sleep Genius and uh, took this app to market. And it kind of went viral, and we ended up with over two million users on the on the app. Wow! And uh, it was incredible. So that kind of opened up the foray into another entity, <laughs> yeah. which was um, a company called Intellibed, a mattress company called Intellibed. Yeah, Intellibed. Everybody knows who that is. So we, uh, I spent about six years really growing that and scaling it into a national brand. And yeah, then uh, Holy cow. last year, Purple acquired it. Uh-huh. And so that was that was a fun journey. Yeah. And so. Do you, did you get into business each time thinking you were going to get acquired or thinking no, about an exit? not really. I just, I enjoy the process. Yeah. I really just love the process of building and growing and scaling. And it's, it's wow. challenging. It's exciting. It's invigorating. Yeah. And, you know, plus with Sleep Genius, we help people sleep. You know, in Telebed, we help people sleep better and, and help their bodies align properly when they slept. And so there's definitely a bit of an altruistic play there as well. So okay. that, that kind of makes it fun. Yeah. When you go in with the purpose of like helping people and yeah. and, and the and the chase, right, and the yeah, journey. <laughs> exactly. And creating and building and yeah. just working with some incredible people along okay. the way. You meet some great people and you meet some awful people <laughs> it's yeah so. it's, hit, it's hit and miss yeah that's crazy <laughs> but yeah so that was fun and then i took some time and decided to reflect and write write my story and so that was kind of the that was what what that was what the preempted book was. the book was yeah okay rethinking re risk and reward okay so what now give give me like the reader's digest condensed version if that doesn't age me too so the whole thing about unstuck is yeah as I reflected back on my life and my journey and all the companies and all the people and, and everything that kind of transpired, yeah, um, a lot of people get stuck in their ways. They get stuck in their job and their business and their relationships and life. They just, they want to try and get out of it. And it's not how you get out of it. It's who. And every time along the way, it's really finding the right people that can help you get to the next step. It's all about people. At the end of the day, everything's about people yeah, for good and bad. <laughs> and so unstuck is really the journey of taking risk. It's okay to take risk and it's okay to fail. Yeah. Um, because if you think about when you're stuck, how do you get unstuck? And a lot of times it's about people lose hope in life and their job. They just lose hope. They get down. It's, it's, it's a tough place to be. 
well, how do you regain hope? And my theory, I, my theory is you've create opportunity. Because once you have opportunity and you're excited about something, you get more hopeful, hope is restored. Mm. So how do you create opportunity? It's this big vicious circle, <laughs> right? So how do you create opportunity? You create opportunity by saying yes to opportunity. I would never have come to America if I never said yes and took a risk. I would never have started playing volleyball if I didn't take a risk or a chance. So you've got to say yes to things and take yourself out of your comfort zone because that just opens up opportunities. And once you have opportunities, it creates hope. Mm -hmm. And that kind of helps break the cycle. Yeah, I really, that resonates because when I talk with salespeople, it's the same thing. Like, how do you get out of a sales rut? Like yeah. you get a sale. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like that's, yeah. I don't know. There's no funny way. To, you know what I mean? There's no yeah. other way to say it, right? Like, <laughs> And you just never know. Right, I mean, right. I, I was literally on the phone this morning coming over here. Yeah. And I called a good friend of mine and he said, oh, wait, you, you're doing this company. And oh, yeah, I know so-and-so and that that's really big in this space. So. Just making a phone call could open up a new opportunity. Yeah, and you I just like never know. And I like how you kind of dumb it down because when I tell salespeople like, "Oh, just get a sale," like how do? You, but right, like easier said than done. Mm -hmm. And I like how you broke it down even further, which is like, so go so go create opportunities that would lead to these kinds of you know mm -hmm. that would lead to whatever, right? Open yourself up. Yeah, just start, say yes. Yeah, go, just start going. Go have a lunch with a friend. You never know where that lunch could go. <laughs> yeah. You know, could yeah. open up a new opportunity. It's Yeah. I, and that's what I like about what my podcast here, what this is, because uh, I've said yes to some people who I remember one time I said yes to this guest and I was like, I said yes. And then immediately I was like, oh, crap, dude. Like, <laughs> I think I messed up. Like, I don't know what's going on. He pulls up. He's all wild. Like, I've never seen somebody like this before. Yeah. And uh, turns out he's got like, a million followers on Instagram. He's like this crazy deal. And I, I didn't know, I mean, and shame on me, but I was a new podcaster. So sure, I, I didn't know what sure. I was doing, but I said, yes. Right. Like, and uh, that kind of started snowballing, like sort of going crazy. That's the whole thesis. You <laughs> yeah. say, yes, it creates opportunities. It's like, it's like, you just keep going. I've got, I've got three daughters and <laughs> the, my parenting advice is, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie. Yes, man. Yes. With yeah, Jim totally. Yeah. And, <laughs> totally. uh, so whenever my one of my kids is having a rough go of it or something like that, we always sit down and probably about six months ago, one of my daughters was having a hard time and just kind of down and school was getting her down. She's in college and just uh -huh. just life in general was just weighing on her pretty heavily. And so, of course, my natural therapy was great. Family night, we're sitting down and we're turning on Yes Man. <laughs> and we laughed our heads off. And at the end of the night, <laughs> life was good and restored some hope and everything was good. Yeah. You know? So, <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Uh, totally. And yeah, I, I did hear this one person one time when they, when you said parenting, uh, they try to say yes as much as they can. Yeah. Uh, which is also kind of a, I mean, obviously when you're a parent, you can't say yes every time. But, uh, but when, when she said that, I was like, Oh, that's super interesting. And so I do that with my daughter and son sometimes. Yeah. Or like when they're getting down, I just, and that's what it reminded me when you told that story. I was like, yeah, I'll just try to say yes as much as I can, like yeah. as much as I can today. And we'll try to see what happens. And I think that's really the premise of the book, Unstuck, is yeah. create opportunity by just saying yes. Um, <laughs> the, the, yeah. the thing that really started the whole 
concept or principle on this was when I was in the army at four o'clock every afternoon, you would have PT. Okay. And four o'clock PT meant they just mess you up. I mean, it was, it was hell <laughs> for like two hours. Yeah. But at four o'clock, we'd also notice these trucks leaving the base camp and they were going to the sports complex down the road where they had hot showers and it was their little cafe there where you could actually get some real food. And so these, all the athletes would go there four o'clock. And I was like, man, how do we do that? <laughs> well, sure enough, the next week they asked, we were in the mess hall and they said, okay, all the national level rugby players stand up, you go to this corner, all the national tennis players, you go to this corner, all the national volleyball players, you go to this corner. And a couple of my friends were also, I mean, I'm 6'8". A couple of my friends yeah. were like 6'4", six, 6'6". Six, six. We all looked at each other and we said, that's us. <laughs> we raised our hands and we went over in the corner where all the national level volleyball players were. <laughs> I played volleyball once in PE in high school, you know. And so then we, we four o'clock, we hop on the truck and we go to the sports complex and we show up and within about two minutes, the coach realized that the, we were clueless. We had never played before. And yeah. And he said to us, he said, look, he said, I admire you for being here. He said, you're tall. If you're willing to stick around, I'll give you a shot and teach you how to play volleyball. <laughs> and that's how it all started. We just raised our hand and yeah. said, yes. You're like, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. Let's get the freak out of here. I was so, like, we're tall enough. We can figure it out. So that was the premise behind yeah. the whole notion of unstuck raise your hand create yeah. opportunity when you you know that changes everything right without me raising my hand in that mess hall that day saying i played volleyball when i really didn't <laughs> i would never be in america oh. i would never have lived the dream i mean yeah. the american dream is alive and well i don't care what anyone says as messed yeah. up as our politics are yeah the american dream is alive and well in this country yeah okay if you're hungry and you're willing to work hard it's there for the taking. It's about opportunity. The American dream is not about riches and wealth. It's about opportunity. Ooh, that's a good way to frame it. And that's what this country is. And that's that's why I'm so big on the word opportunity and raise your hand, create opportunity, say yes, try something new. Because mm -hmm. it was interesting that you go from the tech world yeah. all the way to, to sleeping, right? Yeah. And some people can kind of question like, well, how did you get from here to here? Uh, but you kind of outlined it right there, right? It's just, you probably just said yes to a bunch of things yeah. that led you there. Yeah. You want to start this new thing? Yeah, sure, yeah. why not? <laughs> exactly. Like I didn't have a stable, you know, like you said, I yeah. I, I wasn't a, an attorney and I didn't have a fixed career path. And yeah. I sort of jumped from logistics to sales to building charter schools to an app to some other thing to <laughs> mattresses to, uh, you know, yeah. But you seize the opportunity. Yeah. And you just take it. And enjoy the journey. Yeah. <laughs> That's so, so awesome. Anyway. And uh, all right. So uh, in Telebed, you're not, you're, they were acquired by Purple. So you've, you took some time off. You wrote yep. the book. Yep. But, uh, but that's not it. So we've got some really exciting things coming down in the first of the year around Unstuck and rethinking risk and reward and basically creating a life you never could imagine possible Yeah, through opportunities. Yeah. And how do you, I guess here, the thing is, is if you're in that position where you're like super down and maybe nothing feels like an opportunity, 
how do you rethink that? Maybe how do you get unstuck there? Right. I, I don't know. <clears throat> I, it's just, I mean, I kind of get it right, but it's hard to explain. It's just like momentum. You know what I mean? If you're really stuck and you're kind of in that bad place, how do you get unstuck? You just go and it's what I told my daughter, right? My daughter came to me and she was, she was trying to open up some doors and she's trying to look at career opportunities. And I said to her, I said, all you have to do is just go out and call everybody you know. Literally, just pick up your phone, call everybody you know, and just go and have lunch with them. Go and have breakfast with them. Go and offer to just tell them you'd like to talk to them. Pick their brains a little bit. Yeah. And she did that. And it opened up the most incredible doors for her when she was feeling pretty hopeless. Yeah. And so how do you get out of that place? Just start. Start calling everyone you know. <laughs> just go and have lunch with people you – and and – what I've learned is it's not the people you expect that are the ones that are going to step up for you. Yeah. It's the ones you didn't ever anticipate that come up large for you, wow. open a door for you that you would never expect. So yeah, don't expect the ones closest to you to be the ones that would necessarily help you. It's going to be yeah. the obscure one come out of left field <laughs> that you don't expect that's yeah. going to change everything for you. Wow. And that makes so much sense when I think about it. Cause if I am, if I am helping a person who's never started a business, started a business, one of the things actually I did this when I was a sales leader, uh, when I would hire a new salesperson, they would have to come to their first day of work with a hundred people written down out of their mm -hmm. phone or Facebook yeah. or whoever. And they would have to like, they would just spend training on the product or service or whatever we we're doing. And then the rest of the day, they would just call people like everybody they Absolutely. knew with a little script yeah. that we'd given them um, or however they wanted to do it. Yeah. But yeah, it's right. It's, it's not how you get there. It's you, <laughs> yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. That's so true. So. I was talking about that on the other day on a podcast. This is uh, that old, that old adage, right? It's not what you know, it's who you know. Yeah, exactly. Because I tell people that and they go, what do you mean? And I'm like, have you ever seen somebody who you're like, you just look at them and you're like, I don't know how you even got to that where you are. <laughs> like, I don't even know. And because uh, you're not smart, smarter than me. Yeah, yeah. You're not, you don't work harder than me. Like, how did it happen? And it's just, they were, they said yes to opportunities. Yeah. They met the right people because they weren't afraid to get out there, right? That's right. Yeah, that's amazing. And now you have... <clears throat> And and now you're here, right? So you've you're gonna start a couple more businesses. Yeah, I'm not the done right yet. <laughs> not ready to be taken out to pasture just yet. So <laughs> I still got the fire, and I'm yeah. still hungry, and I'm still want to keep yeah. living the American dream. All right, all right. Um, okay, so before I let you go, they can buy your book on Amazon. But where can they follow you? Where can they get to know you? Yeah, just on social media and stuck Colin House on okay. social media and uh, uh, Instagram, TikTok, Instagram. Yeah, Facebook. Not probably not on TikTok not yet. TikTok. That's okay. I'm, I'm one of the older guys. <laughs> yeah, you, know? you, just, you like pictures and, and words. That's all good, dude. <laughs> That's cool. Well, thank yeah. you so much for being here, Colin. Hey, I well, thanks it. for having me. Enjoy yeah. the conversation. <laughs> Appreciate you. it.